Because you know why? Why? Because it feels right. It feels right. Legendary. Yeah, we're just. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> it's a close cutoff there to, to uh, firing uh, this bitch up. <laughs> yes, yes, I did say fire this bitch up about half a second before you actually did. So. Um, I couldn't let that go to waste. No, I did. I, I am on three three cups of espresso, so I'm a little jacked up right now, Robert. I'm not gonna lie. I'm pretty excited, and I'm uh you know in my perfect. Uh, uh, podcast attire with uh, no pants on, so uh, things are looking up. I just had to check to see if I had pants on. I do, I do not. Oh, excellent, <laughs> excellent, excellent. Uh, well, that that's that's uh, that's fantastic, uh, Robert. I would like to start off today with a rankings filibuster. <laughs> are you going to give us a soliloquy? A soliloquy of the rankings filibuster. Uh, there's, I've had a couple people comment to me and a couple things about, uh, you know, some of these rankings, I think, uh, can I be honest with you real quick? The best yes, part please. about these rankings are that yes. you made them and I did not. Yes, yes, yes. And unfortunately, I don't, to, I don't have to answer any of those questions. Yes. So, so I'm just first, along for the Adam ride. Yes. First off, uh, I just didn't do the rankings this week. No real reason. Uh, there, there is a lot going on in life. So, uh, Moving to a new house, sold our old house, so things are. Hold on, so you sold up. the guy you're in. You sold that thing you're in now. Thirty days, man. Thirty days, we'll be in a new spot. So that's exciting. You weren't, you weren't kidding. I was like, think it'll be tough to sell your place that you're in. And you're like, no. Um, uh, yes. Yeah, so we had a. Sure enough. First, <laughs> the uh, the uh, the first viewing of the house, uh, full full offer. Full, full price offer so you can't well, beat that yeah that's really nice so uh, maybe we should cash, cash in a duffel bag yeah maybe we should ask for more um so uh anyway so uh yes rankings filibuster here um i think that i probably made a mistake here robert and uh not describing exactly what these rankings are sure so uh let's be clear i think that while results obviously are a large part of rankings i also think that results are uh kind of a description of the past so so while uh rankings are good uh a, a, a tool to talk about who moving forward could could who be lined up in a certain spot uh results are just a, just a description of the past not uh predicting of the future so uh that being said i think it's important uh to take into account a variety of factors i think maybe with my but i guess that's that's the question or is the ranking because rankings are are a net number based on your results over a period of time mm -hmm. um it's not it's not a that, that's how i look at rankings it's right. based on a body of work based on sure. a significant data set not and it's not based on what you might do in the future or how you might okay. stack up based on, well, that's how I was looking at it. We could well, do two sets of rankings, one of based sure. on, you know, purely based on results and two based purely on potential and upside. Right. So basically what I've, well, the two lists that we provided, they're not rankings, uh, given your description of what rankings My, okay. are, they're not, they're, they're, they are not rankings. So, uh, yes. So, so what, what, what I'm trying to do is basically put together whatever, five, six, eight, ten factors of the things I think that are most important and then try to predict 
the future. So uh, rankings like and uh, yeah, body of work is is a big part of that, you know. So small sample size, we talk about it all the time. So it, it is it is a huge part of these rankings that uh, that we're giving. So, but I think that there is, I mean, like a ton of different things. We've talked about it a lot on on the pod before. So I mean, you have you have an actual physical skill set. You have length, size, movement, power, uh, hand speed, touch, feel. Uh, I mean, you have age factored in, you have sports background, whether that's racket sport or not. Have you been in big spots before? Uh, do you, uh, are you mentally tough? Do you have that intestinal fortitude of uh, previously competing in whatever sport that may be? Uh, do you have a full-time job? Do you have a significant other? Do you have other things in your life that stop you from going full force into pickleball? Uh, how much court time do you have? There's a lot of people that have been playing for two years that play every day for two years and people that have been playing for two years that play twice or three times a month. So all these things factored in, I think it was my description of what the rankings are. Uh, that was the mistake. Uh, but moving forward, I think we're going to use, uh, this as opposed to, to what a technical rankings would yeah. be, uh, on our lists. I like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's my you filibuster. Named, you named a few variables there. Yeah, a few variables. Well, it is. A it's a huge. It's a huge. It's a huge. No, there, yeah, there is. There is. Those are all really, really good points too. Yeah, tons of things go into it. So, uh, just wanted to clear that up. I think if someone maybe you know had a full loaded gun to my head and said you know make the most perfect rankings ever, maybe I you know wouldn't have put those two ladies at two and three or whatever. But I, I didn't just fabricate the- that. Don't let the people der- derail you. <laughs> don't, let yeah, the, I, don't let it happen. That's right. I did stay I did true to your heart. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that, Rob. But yeah, I didn't just fabricate that out of nowhere. There was a reason. It was a bold statement, but there was a reason why I did that, and I am uh, standing by that. So that's Good. my fili- that's my filibuster, and uh, it wasn't very long, but that's what I have to say about that. I thought it was beautiful. Thank you, Robert. You're welcome. Oh, so you're still going on the espresso too? Or is yeah. That, so this is that so, number four. Or is that the finish yeah, well, to number three? Well, I've I've had one and a half doubles. So yes. Yeah, so this is the fourth shot that I'm sipping on right now. Yes. Cheers. Dangerous. Cheers. Yes. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. It's like 68 degrees in the house, and I'm sweating profusely. But <laughs> as I was saying, say, cramping weather. Cramping weather. That's right. You know, indoors 68, watch out. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Overcast, not no sun at all. You got to watch out. That's, that's when it creeps up on you. (laughs) Cramping weather is, is a real thing, Robert. You got to watch out for that. (laughs) Uh, So tell me, uh, we, we never really talk about uh, uh, you being in Hawaii, Robert. How's that going for you? It seems like a magical Island wonderland. Yeah, it's a lovely, it's a lovely place, and you'll you'll see that Adam in December when you when you come here. That's right. Um, I am very excited for that. Yeah, it's it's no Hawaii. Hawaii's great. It's um, it's beautiful. The weather is a little warm right now, but that's just me ah, nitpicking. Right. Um, and a little warm being ninety, not not anything crazy crazy. Um, so yeah, super manageable. Still cools off at night a little bit. Uh, but it's nah, just driving everywhere. It's just stunning. It's beautiful. So happy to be here. Um, struggling a little bit health wise still um, with the infection stuff. Uh, don't know. Don't know how long that's going to be. I called the surgeon's officer like it could be. It, it's because I had what surgery in June, 
So it's been what, three months there. Like it could be six months. It could be 12 months. It just, it varies person to person and it's hard to really say. So that's, that's super frustrating, but, um, trying to keep a good outlook and stay positive and, and all those things. So, um, yeah, but I'd, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't, wasn't a struggle physically and mentally. It, it is, it's just taxing and it's exhausting. And, um, after a while, you're just like, is this, is this my new normal? Is this my life? Is this, I have to, I have to live like this every day. That, that thought's a little depressing. So I, I hope that's not the case, but even if it is, I'll, I'll figure it out and, and be fine. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that makes a lot of sense too. Obviously with an injury, there's physical issues, but you know, when you're an athlete, you're used to being on the court, uh, you're used to training, you're used to having a routine, uh, to not be able to do that, you know, mentally it's, it's taxing as well. So, uh, you know, I've gone through that a little bit myself with something different and, you know, injuries suck. Uh, you got to give a little credit to the crew over at jigsaw health for a great slogan. You know, it's fun to feel good and you don't really think about that until you don't. And, yeah. uh, you know, so it's, uh, it is tough. Uh, looking forward to getting you back out on the court there, Robert. Yeah. And it's not even really, doesn't, it doesn't really feel like an injury either. It's not even like about pickleball in terms of like feeling good. It's, it's I just want to feel good, like to live, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, like to live a life, not even uh, to play a sport. Um, yeah, for sure. and it's, and it's weird because it's not like a, it's not like a sports injury. It's, it's just like something that crept up that, um, you know, the more I research and dig into it, it's like, Oh, this is, you know, well, one, it's kind of rare, but you know, the people it does affect it's, uh, it's not super pleasant, but there are some, there are some good outcomes that I've read about. So I'm hoping to be one of those. All right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's, let's, let's hope fingers crossed on that. Um, so I was actually in Hawaii, pre-pandemic, I don't know, three years ago or something like that, um, for a, a boost camp in the Hawaii Open Tournament, actually. And uh, how how's the pickle on the islands? I know a lot of people visit there and play in resorts and, and whatever, but how about just maybe some of the locals and some of the pickleball scene in Hawaii? Yeah, it's, it's really taken off in Maui, um, especially since... Um, since this, uh, I guess, past few months, there's a there's now a Maui uh, pickleball league where basically we have a bunch of different clubs on Maui. I think there's five signed up right now. So we have Maui Country Club, Wailea Tennis Club, uh, McKenna, which is where I'm at, and a couple others. And we basically play team matches. So we'll have <clears> – and there's a lot of – I would say pickleball Maui. There's a lot of like the 3035 level. You have some, I mean, there's, I don't think there's any five O's on the Island period, men or man or woman, uh-huh. um, you get a handful of four fives, but, um, really significant amount of like three Oh three, five, just getting into the game. Um, really stoked on it, but we have basically these matches in the weekend, which feels, it just feels like a fun competitive team match really, where you have, you have two lines of three Oh, two lines of three, five and one line of four Oh plus. And so you have five, five lines total. Uh, you win three, you take it. And, you know, we do a, we do a home and away with each, with each team. And it's just, well, one, it's like, even though it's a small Island, like the people at McKenna, for example, will play somebody on the West side, like Kapalua, which is, it's, it's an hour away driving, but you know, when our team plays their team, it's like, Oh, I haven't seen you in two years. It's like, so the Island's small, but like it has little pockets where 
even though you might have friends over there, you don't see them for a significant amount of time, even though it's an hour away because it's on the other side of the island. So it's been really cool in terms of bringing people together on the island and using pickleball as that vehicle to kind of bridge some of these gaps of like, you wouldn't be seeing these people otherwise and you wouldn't have these connections otherwise. So really, really cool to see uh, the growth of pickleball in Maui. And this is kind of the first season that they've done it. We're doing mixed doubles right now. And I think, um, I think they want to do a shout out to Ralph at Maui G sports who kind of organized the league. Uh, it's taken a ton of work and it's been, it's been really cool for him to kind of spearhead that. But um, I think after the mixed doubles, they're either going to do gender. I think they'll probably do gender doubles. Um, same concept though, but I'd like to see it move to more of a, more of kind of the duper format, like they're doing with minor league pickleball, where you take, you take a, you know, a 20 or a 18 or a 16 combined rating and um, play in that, play in that format. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, cool to see. And uh, the growth, the growth crazy. I can't speak much to the Big Island or Oahu or Kauai, but um, Maui's popping. Awesome. No, that's uh, that was a great Hawaii pickleball filibuster. So we've had, <laughs> we, we, we've had two so far, one on rankings and one on Hawaii Hawaii pickleball. But I yeah, don't know what filibuster means, but or what's what's so what's don't no, I don't I don't need we don't need to go through this again. Yeah, no, no, we really don't. And just I, keep telling me I'm doing great. Yeah, you are doing great. Uh, I just need these yeah. words of affirmation. Just keep them coming. Yes, no, it's it's doing one so of your love, it's one of your love languages, right? Yeah, words of affirmation. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, no, that sounds good. Uh, I think it's, yeah, it's 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 popping everywhere. Uh, you always, you know, you hear see these articles lately about all these different facilities going up throughout the country, even some some uh pickleball country clubs uh going going around i don't know exactly what that is but i I just briefly came across some article about they're going to do it in the you know the golf country club format except they're going to do pickleball so i think that that i think they said they broke ground in sarasota florida and they're planning on putting five or six that uh, was for the like the ridiculously high dollar amount right i think 180 million or something oh yeah yeah i think i did see that figure uh I, i i didn't yeah, the hell we, what the hell are we building for 180 million? <laughs> yes. Yeah, seriously. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a great question. 180 million. That's pretty, pretty ridiculous number. Uh, so yeah, I haven't, I haven't dug uh, super deep into that yet, but I did see the the article and, and the, the number and I was pretty shocked by that. And uh, yeah, just kind of wondering, obviously growing super fast uh, uh, players and, and participants in the sport, but you know, also, a lot of these these facilities are growing fast as well, and I just wonder if there is, you know, some possible saturation or some issues with that uh, down the line. I, I really don't know the numbers on it, but uh, what what do you think about that? I think it depends on if. So I always think back to like you know Steve Kuhn's goal of forty million players by twenty thirty, and I think if that's the case, no, like not saturation um they're like we're gonna need a weight we're gonna need way more courts and i mm-hmm. i still think we um we're gonna need we we need way more courts um on twitter there's a there's an account that i always see pop up it's a uh, atl pickleball and you know being from atlanta originally like you know it's talking about like like i was talking about the maui pickleball league like i used to follow my dad around he used to play um something called alta which is Atlanta Lawn Tennis Association, same concept, right? Your your local neighborhood would have a team and you would travel around Atlanta and play different different teams across the Atlanta metro area. Mm-hmm. And it, and 
participation-wise, it's got to be the largest tennis community in the country. I mean, it's massive. And I was, I, um, I was always wondering, it's like, okay, when is that going to happen for pickleball in Atlanta? And the issue is Atlanta just doesn't have many courts. Like it's all temp courts, um, tip nets, tape lines. They don't have permanent facilities really other than, you know, you see the APP and Griffin, but there's not much outside of that. Drake Bernstein's house, actually. One of the, <laughs> one of the rare permanent pick, pickable. You top, top 25 men's there. doubles player, Drake Bernstein? Yeah. Is that, number, okay. number 24. No, number 24. <laughs> Correct. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, go ahead. But basically, but basically, so I look at like, you know, these places where participation is huge, like Atlanta for tennis, like that's converting to pickleball. Um, like everywhere else is, but they don't have any infrastructure for pickleball right now. So I think there's still a pretty big lag in certain in certain geos for sure. Um, you might have a little saturation in, in places that are you know kind of kind of up and running. Like you know you see the Utah scene; they have so many indoor facilities, that kind of thing. But I still think there's going to be plenty of there's going to be plenty of um, people playing to to f- fulfill those facilities right now and yeah i don't i don't see the saturation gonna i don't see the saturation as an issue um but time will tell you know as long as pickleball is not a fad right yeah no definitely and i think you you basically described houston and through atlanta Mm. i think it's a very similar situation yeah uh and yeah we, we always talk about it with players where they kind of burst on the scene, some continue to grow, some plateau. So I don't think pickleball is going to plateau in general. I think it's really cool and unique for so many ways. And I do think it's going to continue to grow, but, but you definitely never know, like, like your last statement said, we'll just, we'll just have to see what happens. But I think all of that made a lot of sense to me uh, that there is plenty of room, maybe not in the full fledged hot spots, but so many other areas to, to really, to really continue to grow. What do you, what do you think could potentially derail pickleball as of, as the fastest growing sport in America? Uh, that's, that's a good question. Uh, I know that there's, you know, whatever it was 20, 25 years ago, you know, there wasn't a lot of options, uh, in terms of racket sports. And you've seen a lot of, a lot of them kind of pop off. There's so many different names, whatever, pop tennis, platform tennis, beach tennis, all, all this other stuff. So, so maybe if there is another game sport that can combine the uh, fun uh, with the social aspect, maybe that could cut into it a little bit. I just don't really see something like that right on the horizon. So maybe that's a, a little ways down the line, but uh, yeah, I think, I think just overall diversifying, I think uh, there's just only a few major sports, however long ago. And now there's a lot of different things going on. There's spike ball and, and all different kinds of different things and different ways to get involved into athletics and games. So uh, maybe just uh, the, the different options could, could cut into that a little bit, but that's, that's yeah. just, that's just saying stuff. I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it happening. So uh, that, one that thing, was just, thank you. One, one thing that I've thought about, um, which has been, it's been a popular argument um, and you see it there, like there's a place on Maui here, um, a park in Kihei where you can't start playing till I believe it's 8 a.m. just purely because of the residents close. I think noise, noise is a big one. Um, it is a noisy sport. I remember the, the first time where I really recognized that um, 
was actually when we were in Costa Rica last year. And, um, you could hear, like I was you know, up at the house and I, the courts weren't that close, but they were kind of down the hill a little bit. And I heard like it, the, the pop, 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 like woke me up. I was like, Oh, that's pretty loud for not being super close. Um, and I was like, yeah, I could see that being annoying. If one, if you don't play the sport and you have courts close to your house and you're trying to sleep. Um, so I think, and I, I was talking to somebody here on Maui, actually, and she was like, have you played over at this place on the west side? And I'm like, no. She's like, they're making you play with, uh, they're making us play with, I don't know what kind of ball it was, but it was uh-huh. like a much, much squishier ball. So you couldn't hear the pop pop. Right. And um, I just wonder if, I wonder if things like that will slow the growth of the sport down in terms of regulations and noise ordinances and stuff like that, because it, it's not the quietest sport. No, I, I think that that makes sense. And I, I hadn't even really considered that. And when we were in Costa Rica, I mean, there's lots of trees and greenery everywhere and lots of natural kind of deafening uh, things. And we still yeah. heard it very loud and clear. From, yeah, it was sharp. Not super close. <laughs> not not super close. So I, I, I agree with that. And I've even been to a couple uh, communities that have courts and uh, you have that range of hours you can play. You can't play after a certain time and before a certain time. Uh, and it was a big factor in us getting our house because we're planning on building a court, if not two, in the backyard. And when you have to deal with HOAs and, and possible neighbors, uh, you know, that that was a, a factor for us getting uh, a lot big enough and uh, not having an HOA and only having one real neighbor. So, uh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Right. Exactly. Perfect. But yeah, that, that does make sense. And with a lot of these communities and uh, neighborhoods where the, the houses are close that could uh, possibly be an issue. Yeah. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see the, you know, if they, if pickleball as a whole tries to appease that group and come up with like more of like a, a different, a different type of core for the paddle, which could kind of soften that noise, like a foam core would probably do it. Um, or if they just, you know, full steam ahead and deal with it and yeah right yeah so yeah just get get big enough to where it doesn't matter this is a weird this is a weird transition i'm derailing your uh to-do list but just roll with me adam okay um so just thinking about you know uh, what made me think of this the the foam the foam core just thinking about paddle technology where do you think the sport should go from here in terms of in terms of regulations like let's say like tennis, you know, they went from the, they went from the wood rackets to, um, the stronger, is it, I don't even, is it metal? <laughs> I think it's metal. Uh, not wood. Aluminum. Not, not wood. <laughs> not, yeah, went from wooden to not wood. <laughs> yes. Correct. Correct. <laughs> I feel really stupid for not knowing that. We're, yeah, we're, we're, yeah. Is it metal? Are they metal tennis. rackets? Yeah. We tennis most oh. of our life. Yeah. Like the T2000. <laughs> what is that? I think it's aluminum, right? Is it no or titanium? I, I, I don't know. I feel really dumb. Uh, but no, to your point, um, uh, no, I, I think it's, I think it's a huge factor. And I actually heard, uh, Zane Navratil talking about this, uh, a few weeks ago and he was talking what tennis did is they, they messed with the ball. So as the technology of the rackets got better, they, they kind of deadened the ball and affected the ball to where it kind of stayed even keel in terms of playability. So I personally think that, Pickleball 
was kind of made to be different than tennis. Uh, and it was kind of made to be more of a, you know, can't hit winners from everywhere, feel, touch, neutralizing power, putting the ball where you want to placement uh, type of game. And I think that bottom line is paddle technology takes away from that and it makes it more, yeah, more offensive, more, more trigger pulling from different spots, more power, more spin and all that kind of takes away along with the spin serve and some of the advantages from the serve kind of takes away from the game in my opinion. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm honestly not saying that because I didn't have much of a serve in tennis and I'm more of a field player uh, in pickleball as well. I just think that's what the game was supposed to be. So there's a governing body that, you know, I I think keeping it into in in a normal range or, or an acceptable range to, to have a little growth in the paddle technology, but keep the sport what it's supposed to be uh, is a delicate balance. And I'm not exactly sure uh, what that's going to look like moving forward, to be honest. And I wouldn't say worried about it. I wouldn't say I'm worried about it, but I think it's a really, really big deal and a big issue uh, to where this game heads in the next however many years. Totally agree. And I think, yeah, I think comparing pickleball to tennis probably is not the best comparison in terms of, uh, in terms of where the, where it should go. Right, right, right. Um, because you're right. It's very like tennis. We've seen tennis evolve from, and it's changed a little bit. It's gone kind of through these ebbs and flows of, you know, serve and volley to, you know, only staying back because returns are so good. Passing shots are so good. Um, but you see that you see these changes based on kind of, um, you know, technology really. Um, and it's basically a, you know, serve and you look for the big serve and then a third shot, um, you know, forehand. And that's the point. Like, I think is somebody said Isner is stringing his racket at like 35 now, like, yeah, 35 right. pounds. <laughs> like it's yeah, no, nothing. Real. Yeah, so real. Just looking, just looking to, you know, hold serve and that's it. Um, Trampoline which is boring. Uh, it's boring tennis, but, um, so I think you're right. Pickleball is very different than tennis. It's, it's more, and I think that's what makes it beautiful. It's not, it's not hitting winners from the baseline and, and doing ridiculous shots, even though that might be more TV friendly. I don't, I don't know. I think it's pickleball is designed advantage to the returner, which I think the spin serve kind of removed that bit. So I'm glad that's going away because that's a core tenant principle of pickleball is returner has the advantage. And when the returner doesn't have the advantage, everything goes out the window. Right. Um, we're not, so like it turned into the spin serve, it turned into tennis, big, big serve. And then looking for like an aggressive third ball. Like that's not the, (laughs) that was never the premise of the sport. The sport was meant to, meant to go to the returner and you have to fight as a server to get to the kitchen. You have to fight to get those points. You have to earn them. And I feel like they weren't really earned. They were, they were, you know, they were hacked more or less, but um, yeah, I, I still think the analogy with tennis is, you know, pickleball's chess and tennis is checkers. There's not much, not a, not a ton of thought in tennis compared to pickleball. It's, you know, thud, thud, try to hit a winner and pickleball. You have to earn your points a little, a little bit more uh, difficult. Difficultly, difficult. No, yeah, no. <laughs> my words are struggling this morning. Save no, me. Yeah, yes, no, no. I, uh, I think so. And uh, you know, if you, <laughs> I, it was funny because we've been moving crap around the house. Uh, you know, getting it ready to show and move and whatever else. And I came across 
one of Prof's old uh, Karen car is Prof, if you don't know, uh, Pro Light paddles. Okay. From when she first started, I don't know what the hell it was, six, seven, eight years ago. I believe her and Simone's first sponsorship was both Pro Light. Uh, and I mean, that thing is as smooth as a baby's butt. I mean, I'm talking, <laughs> it is, there is no grit, there is no texture, there is no nothing. And I think that there's probably a handful of people in our top 25 list, men and women, that if you gave that paddle to would be a four or five. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, honest, agree honestly, I agree with that. I agree with that. And and because with that paddle, you better you better put that ball where you're you have you don't have a lot of margin for error. You better put that ball where you want to. You're not going to be creating spin. You're not going to be ripping the ball as hard as you can, whether it's the back of the court or at the kitchen line, and be able to keep that ball in. Uh so I think it's interesting. There there has to be some form of balance. I, I don't think that you should just play with a wooden paddle like they did in the 70s or 80s or whatever it is but there has to be a line and when you are completely changing the sport uh there has to be some kind of give and take and some form of whatever uh new school old school balance in the committee that makes these decisions or whatever the case may be so i think this is really a huge factor and this this sport uh, can go a lot of different directions in terms of that stuff. And I think that, you know, once some decisions are made or once some things are allowed, they kind of, you kind of get set in your ways and it can kind of snowball. So, so making those decisions now and kind of having a, you know, a range that we want to stay in, in this moment, I think is very, very important. Yeah. So you, you don't think paddle technology or like the, the regulations should, should be stretched like remove the surface test, the roughness test, you know? Uh, no, I, I don't. I think there has to be some form of cap. I, I, I don't I don't know what that is. I, I don't have the answers to that. But in general, that is my thought process is that there it doesn't need to be, you know, uh, a, a wooden a wooden diller that we are that a lot of us played with our first, you know, time that we played. But if you just give it free reign, I, I think that that can also be a mistake. What are your, just in terms of looking at the evolution of the game and where it's going. And so we have paddle technology, which we're talking about in terms of actually changing the gameplay. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have the gameplay itself in terms of scoring thoughts on rally scoring versus side out traditional scoring. Uh, well, you know, as a, as a human, I hate change. Uh, so uh, I think a right. lot of well, the it's not just hypothetical anymore. Like we've, we've played yeah, rally yeah, quite I, a bit. No. And um, I'm, so I, I think I'm just saying, I think when I first heard that suggestion, I was like, Oh God, Oh God, no, this, you know, let's don't do it. But I yeah. am, I, I don't really have a terribly strong opinion. I think uh, in general, I would probably lean slightly towards the uh, side out format, but I'm, I'm not against rally scoring. And if it can help, whatever, some, uh, some viewership eyes on the sport, whatever that's streamed live, whatever the case may be. I, I think it's something that you have to consider and it shouldn't just be a hard no, uh, because that's not what it has been traditionally. If it, uh, helps and whatever it can be sponsorship dollars, uh, other things, you know, outside of the game that can help from that rally scoring. I I'm okay with it. Right on. Yeah. But as a, as a player for like, forget, forget, viewership tv streaming mm -hmm. forget mm -hmm. forget sponsorship dollars as a as a player what do you prefer 
I would say I think that what I prefer as a player has something to do with the size of the draws that we've been seeing lately. So obviously when you're playing side out scoring, the best team is going to win more frequently. Uh, when you're playing rally scoring, it's a little bit more of a shit show. There's a better chance of, uh, you know, because you, you see a lot of these matches where it's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Points are hard to come by. So I'm going to say that having these draws capped and not having such a long day and some of those other factors were, will also kind of coincide with with the format. So if it's if it's a side out scoring and there's, uh, what what was it in the singles draw in in uh, Vegas seventy five yeah, men or something I, like that? Sent out him a screenshot last night, without any kind of context, and it was just seventy one, seventy two, seventy three, seventy four, seventy five <laughs> of an entrance yeah. list with names. Right. He's like, "What is this?" I'm like, "That's the that's the Vegas PPA Championship singles entrance list for men's <laughs> pro singles. Seventy five oh, wh- people." One day event, one day event, one, one day. Yeah. event. <laughs> so uh, I, I lean towards enjoying the side out format a little bit more, but if I got 75 damn teams or 75 people in my singles draw, I'd rather play rally scoring. So uh, on that one day event. So I think that there's a lot of factors that go into it, but I do think that the best team wins a little more frequently with side out scoring than uh, rally scoring for sure. Yeah. I think you said something there where it was just like, you know, it's, you know, you get a bunch of side outs and it's hard for a team to score. In my opinion, that's the point of the game. Like we talked about, like the, the return team is supposed to have the advantage. It's supposed to be hard to score. That's, yeah. that's, that's the point of pickleball, in my opinion. So if you're getting a point on either your serve or your return, it kind of loses its charm, in my opinion. Like, I, and I think you should have to earn points on your serve because that's the harder side or should be the harder side. Um so I've gone back and forth on this and I know, you know, I've talked to Steve Kuhn quite a lot about it and he's like, I'll debate anybody on the merits of rally versus <laughs> side out. And I'm like, ain't going to be me. Cause I don't want to debate you. <laughs> all I can tell, all I can say is um, I, I probably prefer side out more. Um, it's, and if we talk about kind of, yeah, but for new viewers, it's easier to track, you know, rally scoring. It goes at a normal pace in terms of, you know, length of games. Sure. But I think the fun, like like tennis, for example, you know, tennis isn't scored one, two, three, four to, you know, tennis is 15, 30, 40, deuce, like a bunch of weird scoring that nobody would ever understand unless they follow tennis. So... I don't think it's I don't think the scoring issue with side out scoring is a huge barrier barrier to overcome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's tough to you know why do you do zero zero two at the start and then you don't do that. But like yeah. it's little things like that. That's like somebody said it's a rite of passage, right? If you want to if you want to be into pickleball, you you learn scoring. <laughs> it's not that right. hard. Right, um, right. So I I don't know. I lean more towards hoping that side outs here to stay. You know, on some level. If we do rally in some certain situations, fine. Um, but I like I like side out. I like the back and forth battle of you know side sure. out side out, and you have to earn points right. on the, yeah, on I mean, the serve. What a drill I do with uh, you know my students all the time is the seven eleven drill, where one team starts at the kitchen line and one one team starts at the the baseline. The kitchen line feeds uh, to that back team, and the net team has to get to eleven before the back team gets to seven. So that's yep. It, it, it is it's a huge it's a huge advantage and it's a really big deal 
and maybe you don't notice that point to point. But if you start, here we go with the sample size again, you start that those percentages are very much in your favor when you get into the long term uh, serving yeah. and returning. So, yeah, no, that's 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 really interesting. And, uh, you know, uh, maybe the players will have a little say in and where we go with this, or maybe, maybe some big boy will just jump in there with a bunch of money and just say, we're playing rally and that's that. So we'll just, yeah. we'll just have to, we'll have to see. TBD. TBD, Robert. Well, we haven't even got to anything on my list and we're 36 minutes in. So I like is, that. I keep derailing you. This is exactly what I wanted. This is what feels right. This is <laughs> the, the title of the podcast. We, we have, we have bullet points, but we don't always follow those bullet, bullet points. Too. So, um, Hit a bullet point. I'll, I'll let you continue. All right. All right. So we had a uh, tournament this past weekend, Robert. It was definitely a fairly thin pro field at the Sacramento Open. Uh, we're talking about the Sacramento Open? Yeah, we're going to talk about the Sacramento oh, Open. Oh, no. Okay, Robert. All right. I'll no, run, no, no. I'll, I'll run through it quickly for you. Really yeah. quickly, please. It, it was it was very thin. Uh, tier two event. There's only going to be uh, there's not going to be tier one and tier two next year. But this is kind of a vibe the APP was trying, where maybe some of the top pros uh, don't come to kind of get some of those second tier guys uh, some some coverage and some opportunities to to get on the medal stand. And that's exactly what happened in Sacramento because, as I mentioned, it was a thin field. Uh, a couple a couple highlights here. We had uh, let's see one of the uh, one of the commentators for this event was a local Dan Roditty, and he uh, was singing the praises of Connor Garnett, a, a tennis player that has recently moved over to the pickleball game. And uh, Connor did a nice job with a second in men's doubles and a second in singles. Uh, him and his partner. Uh, beat uh, Hayden, Patrick Wynn, and Wyatt Stone uh, to get that silver medal. So uh, uh, not a, you know, a uh, one of the top, top teams in the APP, but two very, very good players. So solid wins there. Uh, DJ Young, Mario Barrientos were able to capture the gold, but a very tough matchup going to the double dip and the uh, against Shear and Garnett. So nice job by... Go ahead. One second. One second. Yes, please. Yes, please. I didn't see a lot of this tournament, but I saw yes. a couple of things, and I know uh, it's Derek Shearer, right? Uh huh. I've I've seen his name in the draw quite a bit, but I hadn't I don't I don't think I've played him, but but his little forehand misdirect, big fan of it. Oh, big fan uh, of it. You know, I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of that forehand misdirect. It was very slippery, and he caught his opponent several times, and I'm also very happy with my boy Sheer for being short and stocky. I love it. When short, <laughs> I love it when short and stocky guys get on the metal stand. Uh, shout out to you, Sheer. Well done with those slippery misdirects and uh, capturing a silver medal. Good for you. I'm gonna work on that. Uh, I'm gonna work on that little misdirect he does because my my forehand flick is so I've got the one where you know hold it kind of open face and then flick mm -hmm. over and it goes kind right. of to your right shoulder yes uh kind of high and slow mm -hmm. his is like same setup but then he just comes this way with it and right. it goes goes the other way so if I have both those watch out world watch thank you, out thank, thank you Derek for um yes. showing me the, the light uh, there flippy long stockings you're one of the best Robert thank you Adam that okay touched, so touched uh, words of affirmation uh, <laughs> I need more keep it coming here. What do we got here? Oh, mixed doubles. We had a pretty big upset with uh, Maggie Brasha, who ended up getting a double gold 
in mixed and women's doubles. Uh, partnering up with Hayden Patrick Quinn to take down DJ Young and Anna Bright, and that is a that's a pretty big win right there. Uh, that's a serious significant team. upset. Yes, yes, significant upset. Serious team with uh, with DJ and Anna. So uh, I believe that it was a double dip with fifteen twelve in the game to fifteen. So a fantastic, and I think that they were they were not down positive. six. There you go, boom. So they were down in that in that game to fifteen. Uh, fantastic comeback and fantastic upset from Maggie Brasha and Hayden, Hayden Patrick win. And it it not that I like it, but like it it solidifies the um, the the up. Uh, not that Silver's a bad result. They 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 were clear favorites. I think if you look at the duper percentage wise, they they were probably eighty percent plus in terms of should get gold. Right. Um, so it's a it's an upset in that respect, but it kind of just shows like the what we talked about when with the with the men's rankings with DJ is the um, kind of the up and down of that. You know what I mean? The up and down of of consistency. And even though Silver's not a bad result at all, and Big H and Maggie played great. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that's that's one they have to get, especially being up twelve six. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah, I know that those those. And I know he's disappointed. Were... Like he, sure, he you sure. know, he he wants sure. to win that. So it's it's yeah, just yeah. Um, just a matter of getting more reps and you know. Yeah, I mean, DJ's he he's a he's a confident guy, and he, I mean, he plays all these tournaments. He saw that draw, and he was not licking his chops. Yeah, licking yeah. his chops, thinking if I don't win this, this is a, this is a a big disaster. And so uh, you know, it, it happens to the best of us. But yeah. Uh, I, I know that that is mixed doubles, different rankings than men's doubles, but I think yeah. it's, uh, while they are very different, there is some overlap there. And I, I think that's just, uh, you know, one, one of those inconsistencies. And that's probably why DJ was in the teens in the rankings, as opposed to, you know, maybe creeping into that top 10 was just that occasional, uh, occasional tough tournament or tough match where uh, the level dips a little bit. Well, I made up for it with men's, right? Yeah, for sure. Made up for it in men's. Uh, uh, the the new guy the the Garnett guy looked like he uh, I just saw some some blips of, of the tournament it looked like he had a really strong two handed backhand uh, and, and looked like looked looked like a fine player I didn't th- see anything you know crazy spectacular but but looks looks solid enough for sure uh, let's see here in women's we had the Brashes winning gold Mary and Maggie uh, the dark horse Susanna Barr and Elena Pedegamaite uh, ended up getting uh, silver and Anna Bright and Beth Bellamy. Uh, senior pro Beth Bellamy ended up getting third and uh, losing in three games to Susanna and Lena along the way. Okay, that's it. Sacramento Open. That's all I got for you. Next bullet point. Next bullet point. Let's oh, actually, so so APP this weekend has next gen, right? I believe that's right. So I believe there's next gen and the uh, Vegas year-end PPA championships. And then there's an Alabama Open squeezed in there somewhere. I'm not sure exactly where, when that is. Maybe I that's seventh, seventh through the ninth of October. It's it's the same weekend as the uh, PPA Vegas. Which, oh, really? Which has quite a large um, turnout. Oh, that's that's what it is, Rob. So we have uh, the I believe next gen is this upcoming weekend, and then we have Vegas and Alabama the following uh, October seventh through ninth, uh, which is two. You're like a week and a half away, basically. So I think I think that's correct. I think it's that first weekend in October. Am I wrong? Yeah, well, you know. Yeah, I mean, I didn't say you're wrong. I'm just trying to I mean, it's, potentially potentially correct your dates. I mean, it's very reasonable that I am wrong. So, um, yeah, P- no, you're right. Yay. 
Yeah, you're not wrong. How how dare I even question? Robert. That's on me. On. Can't Come question. On, man. Come on, man. You have a list with bullet points. How am I going to question the guy with the list with bullet points? Exactly. I got a page and a half of handwritten notes here, Robert. Come on. Are, are they going to continue on with next gen? To me, it feels like it felt premature this year in terms of quality and enough enough talent to like there's such a large disparity or like i saw some of the early ones sure. you had like jw playing like a kid that i had never heard of and it's just like <laughs> jw yeah. going at you know 17 percent out of 100 sure. and it just well, it didn't seem like a very good product or a, or a very good experience in terms of like let's let's show this on a live stream and and try to make this a thing so where do you see next gen going? Like, and generally speaking, I like the concept. I like, I like showcasing younger talent. I like growing younger talent, bringing more people into the sport. Um, but it felt a little premature and it didn't feel like they were doing it in necessarily the way um, that made the most sense. So any suggestions or thoughts on where next gen goes, if anywhere from here? Yeah, no, I'm all, I'm all for grassroots stuff too. I think it's great. Uh, younger kids and in schools and all, all, all that stuff. So I actually went to be the pro mentor, pro advisor, and did some commentary for one of the next gen events in uh, Oklahoma City. So I do believe that the first handful you had, you had DJ in there, you had JW in there, you had Dylan in there. And I could definitely see some, some pretty large <laughs> discrepancies in, in talent level. And, uh, the one that I did was, I'm not exactly sure which one it was, third or fourth, but definitely not the first or the second. And some of those top end uh, guys that qualified age wise did not attend. And I do think that the talent was, you know, a little, little more scrunched and a little more solid. I really do like the concept. And there was some, you know, like some, you know, pro seminars where we got the kids together, talked about, you know, whatever, uh, just kind of life as a pro, some of the things that can get you to that next level if that's what you want to do. So I really do like the concept. And I think that you're right, Rob, uh, just maybe some of the numbers and the overall amount of players, which would allow those skill levels to be a little bit closer, uh, maybe wasn't there in a couple of those events for sure. So actually, I believe that one day they had so many extra guys and not enough girls that they had uh, two two days of the men's event. So so I think that there is when you when you don't have uh, the perfect numbers, I think that discrepancy and level does get a little uh, too large, and that could hinder the experience of some of the players for sure. Yeah, but I like um, it. I, I I think it's good, and I really think the APP has done a nice job with that. And uh, you know, I I don't think it's going to go anywhere, and we'll see if they you know make some make some adjustment adjustments, and if it you know catches a little a little bit more fire and more, more of those uh, younger players get involved. Yeah. I think the intent is great. Um, just don't know if it's doesn't seem like a very good product so far. Yeah. You got to start somewhere, Robert. I totally agree. Totally agree. <laughs> what, what if it was 18 and under? Yeah. I think, I believe the cap right now is 23. Uh, yeah, so maybe, seems... maybe you could uh, dip that or maybe you could possibly, go by uh, pro points or APP points. And if you are, uh, and if you have a certain amount, you, you will not be able to qualify for the next gen series. Uh, so something like that to, to get those matches tighter and get that product a little bit better. I think, I think could, could definitely make sense. 
I don't even know why we should necessarily have, well, it's not my event, but so I don't know why I'm saying we, but it's not like, like we always do these comparisons with pro tennis, which I don't think we should be doing. Right. Um, that's where they, that's where they got this concept from tennis does it. And it's, you know, it's all the young guns and pro tennis, but pickleball is not the same. And we don't have the same level of talent at, you know, at those ages necessarily to fill up, like you said, to fill up a draw and make the talent level, you know, not so huge, not such a huge discrepancy. Like, I like the idea of just, maybe it's people that haven't even, maybe it's kids that haven't even played pro. Maybe they're playing four Oh, four or five. Like, I think like we, I think Wyatt and um, even Big H are great examples, right? Like they started playing three five four zero. They they worked their way up through level by level, not having racket sport background other than pickleball. And I think you know, in terms of developing talent, those are the those are kind of the types of players that we should be looking at for like next gen, not people that are already playing pro tournaments, but but kind of the, the true grassroots that are starting at the three, five, four, Oh, but that, that are improving quickly and that have, that are showing like real potential to be pro players. Like I would love next gen to go after those people. Yeah, that, that definitely makes a lot of sense. And I, I think that that is, is where I would like to see it as well with some form of cutoff, whether it's age, whether it's results oriented uh, to maybe even, you know, uh, have some of those those four oh four five or or guys that don't have a lot of tournament experience might even be a little intimidated going in there against J Dub or Dylan. Maybe totally. if they if if they knew that they could have a certain range and they fall in that range, maybe they would be more likely to to jump in the mix. So I, I think I think it I think it definitely makes a lot of sense. Just came out a high five because it was such a good idea. Attaboy. That was that was just fantastic. Thank Brother. you, Adam. Next bullet point. Uh, Next bullet point. Here we go. So uh, we're going to do a little preview of the uh, PPA Vegas championships, uh, an absolutely huge tournament. I do believe that it qualifies as a major. So a, I think it's a 2000 pointer. Uh, very sad for me because I had a good result last year and that is going to fall right off of my uh, points <laughs> uh, for the, for the uh, 12 month rolling points list. So that is very unfortunate, but this is the year end championship. Uh, just throwing this out there, Robert, I am the defending men's doubles champion of this event of course and I will not be playing it this year. So that will certainly change. Uh, first things first, 75 guys and singles. This is, it's getting ridiculous. It was ridiculous when it's in the forties, uh, talked about it briefly, how we've been working with something with the APP, not set in stone just yet of having some form of qualifying and some form of cap on these draws, uh, especially when they're one day event. What, what, what is this? 75 people? Come it, on. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, they should have a, you know, it should be capped at 32 for sure. Uh, but they should have, they should have a 40, a 40 player quality draw, um, you know, advance maybe the top eight, eight into, yeah. into the main draw. Um, but there's no way, like, I'm going to be curious to see if they actually play, if they take, all 75 in the draw yeah, that, the list i sent you the, the bottom fewer like three rate is 3.5 right, 3.5 right. 4.0 like what are you doing yeah. but will the ppa say no to those entry fees right it's like you know you got 75 people you know maybe grab that money 
only three or money. F- only three or four are, are contracted players out of that 75. Yeah, so right. you know, so they're getting they're getting over seven grand in entry fees just purely off one event, like one event, one pro event. So yeah. I don't know. Will they say no to that? I got a feeling, Robert, they're all gonna be in there. <laughs> that's that's, a, that's the feeling I get. And yeah. I just wanted to to mention this as well. Uh, I believe it was the Chicago Open that I was commentating a few weeks ago, and I think I brought this up on stream. I did the th- I did the whole day Thursday, the whole singles day uh, on the on the CC one, and I'll tell you right now, the this was a forty something person draw. The games at the, the matches at the end of the day were shit, Rob. Oh, of course. I mean, I mean no they doubt. were they were three shots long. People, you know, hand on their hip. Uh, uh, some possible cramping. A couple guys threw up. It was yep. it was terrible, and that yep. that's the prime time hours of a stream and the product that you're putting out there uh, for the masses. And when your second and your third round matchups are way better than your your fourth your fourth place, your bronze and, and your gold medal matches, that's that's just a big issue in my opinion. Yeah, agreed. I will either singles draws should be limited. There should be modified scoring, or you should play it over more than one day. Yeah. So no, for sure. Uh, I'm sure we will discuss these, these singles draws because they are the ones that get the biggest uh, in the coming weeks because something, something has to be done about it, but we will stop that discussion right now and, uh, and move on to well, men's. Yeah. I was just going to say on the bright side of that large singles uh, entrance list is you got a lot of the, a lot of the APP top dogs playing PPA, which is going to be fun. So you have, yes, I think yes. not I'm not sure if fed, <laughs> if uh, feds going, uh, but you got Hunter and Yates going. So it's going to be, it's going to be, you know, it makes singles more fun when you have such depth. Um, and all these new players that are that are performing and getting good results on the APP side. So, um, yeah, and, you know, I, and I know this this is coming from someone that is, you know, not always in the best shape. But I just I just I just I just think that that skill level, it's just I, I just obviously there has to be some battle of attrition. You have to be in shape. It's a huge deal. But in this specific draw, with the PPA and the AP players in it, and it's 75, I just think that skill kind of trickles down a little bit, and there's just too much emphasis on on uh, battle b- being in great shape. And, and I think yeah. that that's okay in some regard, but if it's like 80 or 90% of the reason why someone medals, I think that that is a bit of an issue uh, and, and something has to be done about well, it. Sure. Take, take away fitness level, right? What it's, what's going to, what it's going to do is it's going to lead to injuries. Yes. And that's, that's, you know, a goal. And in, in my opinion, one of the main principles of a tour or a league should be to keep players safe, healthy, um, and put them, put them in an environment where, um, they can compete at a high level, be fit, but not, but not risk injury. And yeah. Well, we're talking about draws that are so big and normal scoring and matches that, you know, singles matches can go over an hour and you might play five or six of them. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's next, I mean, it's next level in terms of beating up your body. It's just yeah. not, it's not good. Not good and for these it, players. And yes. And not only does this leak into singles day and it being an issue in the later rounds of singles day, these players are not going to be 100% in their doubles matches. You're not just playing a singles draw and then 
taking the day or a couple of days off until the next tournament, you're you could be playing the next three days. And so yeah. Uh, yeah, and mix, is, mix is always the following day, which yeah, mix, is, is, mix is Friday. Right. And then gender Saturday and then possibly championship Sunday. So this is this is stuff that is leaking into product. Uh, what the product that you're putting out and what people see on the live stream and the, you know, pickleball already has an issue of it, it being not as fast on camera. And if you're, if you just turn in a casual viewer and, and some guy is laboring around the court, there's only two shot rallies for the 10 rallies that you see that, that could turn some people off and be a, and be yeah. a factor. You always want to put that best product and the, those quality points out, out on the, out on the court and, and some of these some of these draws and some of these uh tournaments it, it's just not happening yeah next next okay so uh for this ppa championships uh first off we'll talk about men's doubles a couple interesting matchups here we have deckle and dub so they have had some yep. great success on the app tour but i believe this is one maybe not their first but one of their first kind of jumps over uh to the to the hybrid ppa yeah. uh app players in it so that is a very interesting team to watch in my opinion Deckel on uh, the right deck i believe Deckel will be on the right uh i think that maybe they could change that a little bit but i, I just don't see it i think Deckel will be on the right for the entirety of this tournament and i think the situation will be pretty dire if that ends up switching. i just I think I think it's less about who's stronger on the left and more about who's more comfortable on the right, and I think that's Deckel. Well, one hundred percent correct. Dub Dub once this is J Dub J W Johnson. Everyone, uh, he he's not interested. He's not interested right now. He's never done it before. Deckel has done it before. I I'm not sure that you know maybe if this team stays together at this time next year, if it'll be a for sure right side Deckel thing. But right now, I just don't think it's going to change. No. It so, should. It um, shouldn't, in my opinion. Yeah, if I, they, agree. They results, I agree. Yeah. I think. I think this is best. Next up, we have Zane and Dylan. So uh, I do think of those four APP players that Deckel and JW and Dylan and JW are pretty interchangeable. About the same level team, in my opinion. I do. While he's still a fantastic player, I do think Zane is a little bit lower than those three, J-Dub, Deckel, and Dylan. So uh, that will be interesting to see if, if Zane can step up and uh, because we know Dylan's been playing some good pickleball and if they can make a nice run in this tournament, I'll, I'll be interested to see that team as well. I would imagine we'll see Zane on the right. Uh, yeah, I think so. And I, I don't know about that one. Uh, I, I'm, I know, I know I'm, Zane likes the right. He does, he doesn't play it right, that with often, all but with all yeah, yeah, but sure. he uh, he he he's told me he he enjoys the right side and feels comfortable over there. And I think you know we talked about Dylan, super versatile player, gets great mm -hmm. results and mixed from the left. Mm -hmm. um, when you know when he plays a J Dub, he's on the right, but um, his game's also suited for the right. He's got he's got quick hands, good backhand counters, but on the on the left, he's you know he's got good speed ups too. So. Yeah. Um, when he initiates, he he cleans it up. So he does. It'll be yeah, that'll be fun to watch for sure. Yeah, hands are insanely fast, and I would be interested to see. We saw it with Andre uh, Dayescu that that baby dill very comfortable being on the right side and taking fifty percent. Mm -hmm. So I'll be interested yep. to see if baby dill does play on the right, how much court each player is taking, and if Dylan Frazier does play on the left, which it's very likely that he will. Is he going to be a 
Deckel left side player and, yeah. and go crazy? Or is he going to be a little more 60-40 and, and let Zane play a little bit more on his right side? I think that that will be a big factor with that partnership. And if, if, if Zane plays well, I don't see any reason why this team can't medal. Well, I think, I think it's going to be interesting with Dylan and Zane. Cause I, I would imagine that I would, I would imagine we'll see Dylan take 65%, 70% of the court. Mm -hmm. Um, and the reason I say that, and I think that's how they should play to optimize, um, their results purely because Zane gets into trouble when he starts guessing on counters but if he doesn't have to yeah. guess on counters and he can just load backhand and fade and Dylan's got forehand in the middle covered, I think it, it cuts out some of the noise from Zane's head and he can just focus on, you know, very specific, very specific goals, you know, solid dinking and countering with the backhand and fading and Dylan cleans right. up middle. I think that's how they should play. Right, right. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think there's, there's definitely a difference between loading and guessing. Loading is kind of like, you know, you don't have the full information, but you have some bits and pieces of information. Maybe you're set up with your partner to slide or or your opponent is attacking from this position and you're going to, uh, you know, move your body out of the way to load forehand or backhand. That's, you know, kind of, uh, you know, that's got a little bit of thought process behind it as opposed to just getting attacked, uh, knowing the guy's going to attack, closing your eyes and just picking swing. forehand or backhand, taking yeah. a cut. So. I do yeah. think that they are different, and and I think what you said uh, makes a lot of sense there. Next up, we have – I wanted to throw them in there just because it's my boy Jeff Warnick, but uh, we have Jeff Warnick and Wes Burroughs, and I think that's a funny team because there will be almost zero dinking, and I wanted to bring it up because this is the time, type of team that is possibly tough to face if you have a first-round buy. You know, oh, yeah. so you, you have a first <laughs> round buy, you, uh, they play a match, you're playing this goofy ass six, five guy with a weird grip. They're not dinking at all. They're just pulling triggers from really weird spots and they have decent hands. So I, I just wanted to, to put this team in there as a team that could, I would say, could not meddle, but could ruin someone's day. Yeah. Nobody wants to see them second yeah. round. I'll tell you that yeah. right now. Yeah, for sure. And it was kind of like that with the the short format and the the covered courts uh, in Atlanta. No one really wanted to play Julian and Rafa Hewitt. You know, just yeah. you know, those guys are they they're just they're just ripping the ball, and and that that could be a tough matchup, especially in the short format. So just wanted to uh, uh, let the uh, let everyone know that those guys are teaming up, and that they, they could have a, a, a upset someone for sure. Next we have DJ Young and Pat Smith. Don't believe they have ever uh, matched up together. Not positive on that, but. Yeah. That could be that that could be a, a solid partnership because yep. I do think that Pat, one of Pat's best qualities is being ready after his partner speeds up. Yep. So he Pat has those hand, yeah, he has those heavy hands, lots of power. And so when DJ speeds up, I think Pat's gonna be very ready. And I could see them uh definitely making a run uh in this tournament. Oh yeah. I mean that's that's also a team you don't want to see. Um, sure, sure. Especially yeah. if they're especially if they're on and and Pat's not making a bunch of errors and he's being solid and DJ's doing his stuff. Like that's a it's a that's a team that could beat anybody in the in the tournament. For sure. And Pat look, looks to me, I haven't, you know, seen a ton of him play lately, but it looks like he's bending a little bit better yeah. and not getting as stuck. And what I mean by stuck is he would often kind of have that wide athletic base taking a lot of dinks out of the air and then he would one wouldn't be exactly where he wanted and he would just do an off balance attack because he was a little injured 
and a little yeah. stiff in that lower body. And I think when he can move a little bit more, make those adjustments and, and hit a couple soft shots instead of just speeding up everything, I think that's yeah. when he's at his, at, at his best for sure. And I think it's a, it's a common thing with guys that I would say Pat's got some of the fastest hands around. Um, it's a, it's a common thing that you see is tending to speed up more often than not, because you trust your hands so much, even though, even though you shouldn't. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. I, I, yeah, definitely for sure. Uh, also we have Canada's finest Steve Deacon finally back in the mix this weekend. He was supposed to be back several times, was supposed to yeah. run run through the APP with me last year. None of, none of those things happened. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Steve Deacon back in action with Spencer Smith. Uh, love me some Stevie D uh, and uh, excited to see him back on the court. Hopefully uh, he is his old solid self. I don't know if we'll have podium Deacon this weekend, but, but yeah. it's going to be great yeah. to have him back on court. And I'm sure he's just going to be pumped to – to be on court competing again it's been a it's been a big big break for him how long has it been i think it's been a little over a year yeah. uh, a couple different wrist surgeries and a couple you know i think i think there's been a couple times that they've gone in there and found something that they weren't they weren't sure was there and then yeah. they found it's, just, it's it's been a bad deal it's been a bad deal for yeah. him with this wrist and it's uh cool to see him back out there hopefully but he can ruin someone's day <laughs> one thing i can tell you about him is we always talk about like the people with the high, the high floors. Deacon's mm-hmm. one of the guys with the high floors, you know, exactly. Oh, yeah. He's not going to, he's not going to come out with outstanding crazy stuff and surprise you, but you know exactly what you're going to get with him. He's going to make a lot of balls. He's not going to miss many thirds. He's not going to miss many dinks. He's got fast hands. I think the question is going to be um, how his, how his wrist holds up and if he trusts it. And mm-hmm. I'm assuming if he's back, then he's trusting it fully and it feels hundred percent and he's not, he's not second guessing it. Cause why else would you come back until that's the case? Um, but I would imagine we'll see Spencer on the right Deacon on the left. That's where Deacon's probably his best. And I've seen Spencer play the right some and, and pretty well. So uh, that'll be a fun team to watch. I'm excited to see Stevie D for sure. And I will go against you play devil's advocate. And I will say Spencer okay. will be on the left. So okay. we'll just have, to what do you, see, what do you want? What do you want to bet? Let's bet. Uh, I, I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not again. I'm I'm done gambling. My My gambling spirit is broken. I just don't have it anymore. I don't even like to make bets. I'm lame. <laughs> uh, okay, okay, last last uh, doubles team to just take a little look see at is the uh, two high end singles players playing together. So Staxrude and Iggy James Ignatowicz. Yeah. Uh, don't really see them having a deep run, but just kind of always wanting to see the high-end singles player and, yeah. and how they work their way into the doubles draw. Maybe maybe they have stepped their games up and make a nice run this weekend. Uh, I wouldn't count on that, but you never know. Yeah, I think in terms of what you look for, and we talked about it, the singles and mixed and men's, like men's is, men's is hard. Um, but I think progress for them would be seeing, you know, maybe them winning a match they shouldn't win on paper. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that would be a, that to me, that would be like, okay, they're, they're, they're making their way into it now. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to place, I mean, I don't care about numbers or where they finish, but you're exactly right, Rob. I think that that would be great to see if they could beat one or two teams that would be favored on paper, uh, maybe just 
maybe maybe play some regular standard doubles points as opposed to uh, just firing away and just kind of kind of seeing uh, uh, if they if they do play a team that handles pace well, do they yeah. just beat their head against a wall and keep going after it, or or can they make a few adjustments and uh, mix in some soft play with with their obvious uh, solid power games? Yeah, and I think one one other thing to note on it being Vegas is the air's thin. The ball is likely going to be playing pretty quickly. I'm just looking mm-hmm. at um, looking at the weather here in Vegas for uh, next yeah, weekend. But yeah, if, if we're if we're looking at chillier weather and and Vegas, oh no, it's hot in Vegas still. No, we're it's going to be it's going to be low 90s, high 80s. Okay. Um, the lows at high sixties. So not, yeah. So the ball probably will be a bit soft, um, but Vegas plays quick as is. So it'll probably play pretty, pretty sure. And, and first couple rounds too. cold in the morning in the desert yeah. uh, is, is a big factor. Takes yeah. a lot longer to warm up than some of the, some of the other areas. Uh, so, so yeah, Warnick so, and Burroughs. Yeah, right. Exactly. So uh, first round by blessing and disguise, uh, blessing, <laughs> blessing and a curse. So, uh, yeah, definitely. And I, I personally, for me, I think that high 80s, around 90 degrees on, on the West Coast or the dry heat is better than 75 and muggy or 80 yeah. and muggy. So yeah. uh, may, maybe with that that dry heat, uh, uh, the fitness will be a little bit less of an issue. But then you see the draw sizes and, and uh, you kind of second guess that that theory. So uh, well, that's that's another thing to keep an eye on with that 75 person singles draw. I mean, um, the the temperature was tapering as the week went on. I think Thursdays you're you're in your low nineties. Mm-hmm. That's a, a long day for singles, man. And the heat. Yeah. No, Even if you're no, not no sweating question. profusely. Yeah, dry or dry desert, or not. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah, dry or not. That's heat. That's a lot of sun exposure. That's a long day. Yeah. Uh for sure. For sure. All right. Women's doubles, Robert. We have Lindsay Newman back in action here, who has just been pumping out kids. Uh, I don't know. I guess I think it's two. I don't really know. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, shout out to Lindsay Newman. Apologize for missing you on my top 25. I have you slotted somewhere between 15 and 20. Absolute rock out there. Uh, great, great player at handling pace. Super consistent. Not a lot of power, but definitely provides pretty much everything else on the pickleball court. Uh, she will be partnering up with Jesse Irvin. So interesting there. We have Jesse Irvin breaking away from Anna Bright. And we have Anna Bright uh, uh, matching up with Paris Todd, which is very interesting. So uh, Very interesting. Yeah, Anna Bright, Paris Todd, Jesse Irvin, and Lindsay Newman kind of uh, mixing it up a little bit on the uh, on the women's side. I, it's going to be, to me, it'll be fun to see uh, Jesse play kind of that left side role and see right. how she does being more of the aggressor and the, and the partnership, right? Cause she's usually that right side player and it's usually a rock. So be fun to see how she creates from the left mm-hmm. side. Cause we yeah, know definitely. Lindsay's going to be on the right. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, you know, Anna Bright, uh, relatively new Paris new for sure, uh, especially in the doubles game. So it'll be real interesting to see those two uh paris has really been moving forward i know she had a little bit of an injury at that mlp and hasn't played singles in a couple events but i I think she's probably passed to that injury i would guess uh so yeah that's that that's uh those those are going to be some great matchups and a little bit different 
than the uh, similar partnerships we've had for the last couple tournaments. Yeah. Also, uh, uh, just to mention, uh, we'll see how, how the Brashes do. Uh, they, mm -hmm. they won. They've had some good results in some of the smaller APP tournaments on the West Coast. So this one being a full, full, full draw, we'll see if they can, uh, you know, have an upset or two or may, maybe make a solid run and, and contend for a medal or if they just get a little overwhelmed by some of the, the ladies with the more uh, firepower. We'll have to see. Yeah. Okay, mixed doubles, same tournament, Vegas, Vegas year-end championships. We have, I believe is a first-time partnership in Catherine Parento and J-Dub, J-W Johnson. So, yep. I mean, that could, that's for sure a metal contender uh, yep, right no there. Uh, well, regardless of the rapport they have together, just talent alone, uh, very high-end team, Catherine and J-Dub. We have the brother-sister combo back in business, Lindsay and Riley. Uh, I expect to see Lindsay at the kitchen line about 5% of the time, her just kind of hanging out back in the back, letting Riley do his thing. Uh, always, always fun to see those two play together because it's so not standard. Uh, so that's, that's very nice. And then we have another high-end partnership that I could kind of see go have an okay day or a very good day. And that is Paris Todd and Dylan Frazier. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so that is I wouldn't yeah, say so, I wouldn't say metal favorites, but definitely right, could right, right. <laughs> definitely could make a deep run. Yeah, definitely. I'm saying they 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 could metal. I I would probably, you know, on paper put them uh, right in there in that 5th and 6th spot uh probably uh yep. in in this this deep field, but uh definitely yeah. the firepower to do well and I'm not sure if they've played together either, but I do not think so. So, uh interesting interesting pairing. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. That's the preview. That's Vegas it. Year in, Vegas year end championships. That's All it. All right. Well, I mean, it'll be a it'll be a fun one to watch because you've got uh, any any time that we have some of the APP players mixing into the PPA, it's uh, becomes becomes good viewership. People like J that. J Dub, don't miss that forehand counter, bro. Bra. Come on, man. Bra. Bra. You have it on the paddle. Come Dub. on, J Dub. Come on, <laughs> All right, I've thrown my pin down three times, Robert. What does that I, mean? I, I I don't know. I, I don't know if that's you know creeping up on end time or me being upset that for to the fans for for our five fans for not coming through with a or top or being pissed at J Dub for missing that forehand counter. <laughs> yeah, J Dub. I was I was watching that man. I was I was I was excited for you guys. Uh, you'll get another crack at it though, kid. No worries. Yeah, it turns out there's a lot of pickleball tournaments. Uh, there is, Robert. There's quite <laughs> a few, actually, there's quite a few. So, um, Robert, do you have anything else you would like to discuss uh, no. on It Feels Right? No, it feels right to end it right now. Well, there this you go. This might be our shortest episode, which it's still not very short, but... Not short. <laughs> you know, but it feels right to stop. Yes, guaranteed. Uh, we'll oh, have we were supposed to have rankings, but we didn't have them. Yes. When, no, when I say we didn't have them, Adam didn't have them. Yes. Yeah, so no, I, I, yes, I was supposed to do that. I claimed last episode I would have them for you, and I'm claiming again I will have them for you next Tuesday. Uh, our recording date probably get to you guys sometimes late next week, but uh, men's mixed rankings next episode for sure. I promise. 
all it's going to do is just build the tension and the suspense and the like. Yeah, I like how you play that. This is a that's what it's it? going. That that's exactly what I was trying to do. Suspense. It's working. It feels right. Goodbye, I'm Robert. Excited. <laughs> because you know why? Why? Because it feels right. It feels right. Legendary. Yeah.